Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking the quiz. And you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website at sumatisparks.com. That's spelled S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I, Sparks, as in Sparks are flying, dot com. And when you complete the the, uh, little form to get the quiz, you'll automatically be added to my mailing list where you'll be the first to learn about both my online events as well as my uh, local events in the San Francisco Bay Area. So tonight I'm really excited to have as my guest Lucia Pavone. Lucia is a rule breaker, an international speaker and an instructor of the art of sensual pleasure. She's dedicated and passionate about supporting those who identify as women to embody their sexuality, love their juicy bodies, free themselves from shame, and to have a sex life worth bragging about. Welcome to the show, Lucia. Thank you, Sumati. How are you tonight? I'm great. I'm so glad you're here. We met um, at a very interesting workshop. Um, We did a a workshop surrounding, um, you know, female yoni healing and um, incredibly intimate, yummy workshop with um, our friend Amara. So Mm -hmm. I'm really, really happy to finally have you on the show here. Um, I really loved your energy there and your spirit and really can't wait to learn more about you and what you do. Yeah, thank you. It was quite an amazing workshop, and um, what a wonderful way to like begin our friendship and connection professionally too around um, the deep healing work and sacred work that um, that I know I do and that I love, and also um, you know this ability to you know be there in a space um, as women who are taking um, really the. Uh, honoring the potency of our own selves, our own bodies, um, for having the most fun in our own relationships, in our own lives. So there's many things that I can't wait to talk to you tonight about all the levels that we're we're experiencing together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's start with a little bit more about you. Um, You call yourself a holistic sex and sensuality mentor. So I'd like Mm -hmm. to hear a little bit about your story that led you to proclaiming yourself as that in the world (laughs) well um, I like to say that it is like um, kind of been imprinted through many lifetimes Um, you know for those people who are listening on you know uh, an esoteric bigger level um, you know I can say definitely on that level it's a true I am as part of like my um, ancestral deep-rooted background. But in this lifetime, <laughs> um, I would say the beginnings, the humble beginnings would be maybe somewhere around 12 or 13, realizing, listening to, like, Dr. Ruth Westheimer that um, that there was a clitoris. And somewhere I proclaimed, oh, I'm going to be a, I would like to be a sex therapist, <laughs> whatever that was. Oh, I didn't wow. even know what that was. Um, but I, I knew at a very young age that um, I felt very uh, embodied in who I was. But I just didn't have, like, the, you know, like, looking back, I can see who, the, the parts of who I was um, as, um, you know, a sex and sensuality mentor now, that they came from just my, learning about myself, my experiences, um, and then really started to expand um, after, let's see, in my 
probably in my early 30s. I mean, I had I had done all these pieces before around, um, you know, trying to find who I was through esoteric studies for many years um, and, you know, herbal studies and um, so many different pieces. But really it wasn't until I had uh, a daughter, I had a child in 2000, and I had um, a really intense birth experience um, that went from a planned home birth, four days of labor, to like a C-section. Um, and after that um, experience, I felt my whole my body kind of shut down on, um, on many levels. I had been I was with my partner at that time for about seven years, just trying to figure out what the hell was going on with my body. Um, I was really numb in my own genitals. I I didn't know what to, how to like relate. I gained like 80 pounds. I was a completely different human being. And in the process of, um, you know, going through my own things, I also was very passionate and an activist. And so I really wanted other women to understand that, you know, they could actually birth vaginally after a cesarean. So I started the um, Santa Cruz chapter of the International Cesarean Awareness Network at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is um, maybe 2002. Um, and in that process of working with women and helping like hundreds of women through re-educating them about like pregnancy, birth, their bodies. And I was also a pregnancy birth photographer at the time. Um, I, I also met somebody who saw a piece of me that we didn't often talk about in the sex health and education piece, which was about pleasure. And she said, Oh gosh, Lucia, you are so juicy. And I was like, what? I'm like, I knew what that meant. <laughs> but um, when she said that, she was like, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, there's, um, there's just events and come and, you know, you know, we talk about, we play these communication games that I've been, years ago, I used to, you know, um, do some, you know, take sensuality courses back in like the 1995 or something, you should come and meet these people. And so I went, um, this was in Santa Cruz, and then I ended up actually going on this path of taking uh, courses with my mentors and learning about um, extended orgasm and full body orgasm and I ended up living in an intentional community in 2005 and six. so I lived communally with my with my daughter and my husband at the time and was really became a sensual researcher started to really dive deep into my own um, pleasure what it meant to um, be embodied uh, what it meant to like learning learned an extensive um, you know training around communication and specifically extended orgasm or deliberate orgasm. And so um, I, I remember seeing a woman in the extended orgasm for an hour, and I thought that's what I want. I, I cried. I, thought, <laughs> I felt the oh. intensity of what it meant to be in in, in full body pleasure ec- ecstasy. And how healing that was for my body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I like literally, I cried and I thought, oh my God, like I want that. And so basically 16 years, you know, and 6,000 hours later of really training my body um, to have this experience and now teaching um, and other people and actually working not just around the um, sexuality piece, but really about what it takes to get there, which is communication, unraveling all of the, um, you know, cultural, social, religious conditioning that we've had around our sexuality and pleasure in general, 
uh, dispelling gender norms, um, really um, coming from a place that, you know, most of us are told that pleasure is just a horrible thing to have. And, um, but really, if we can actually lean into all of the parts of ourselves, like the fantasy, the truth, the, the hearing, and like know that ultimately who we are in this planet is really, um, you know, good and that we're here really to like love and our bodies are here really for, for feeling like we're sensual beings that like mm-hmm. peace around how we relate with other people and how we relate mm-hmm. around our sexuality and our sensuality. Um, and they're not separate from our spirituality. They're not separate from, um, you know, how we eat food. They're not separate from parenting, but that this is an all encompassing experience and that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really amazing to be in in love with yourself first so that you can actually extend that to other people. So that's my basic journey, <laughs> lots of training, mm-hmm. um, and then deciding full on. I mean, classically at some point, um, you know, people are like, well, did you do this your whole life? I'm like, actually, I used to be a high school Spanish teacher. So <laughs> way back in the day, they're like, how did you go from teaching Spanish to talking about orgasm pretty much all the time? <laughs> Uh, and what's the Spanish word for orgasm? <laughs> Orgasmo. <laughs> what is it? Actually, it's orgasmo. It's the orgasmo. <laughs> it's so funny because I, I'm one of my my one of my desires is really to um to teach this work in Spanish and and um actually it is translated um Stephen Vera. Bodansky actually, um, they have translated their books in Extended Orgasm. And they have a book called Sobre el Orgasmo, Como Experimentar y um, Proporcionar un Intenso Placer Sexual. So I actually do know how to speak Spanish really well. I can teach this information in Spanish. And I also speak Italian. So I'd like to do it in Italian too at some point. <laughs> so we'll see, one, one language at a time. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Um, I heard you just throw out just casually that you that you did six thousand hours. Did you say that? I did. I did. I mean, oh, where do you, you think... come up with that number? Okay. Well, I'll think about like um, so when we talk about orgasm, I think there's one I, one one definition of orgasm is climax, right? When we talk about mm-hmm. extended orgasm or full body orgasm, it's a much different than um, what we would think of like this quick peak. So, you know, in my training and in, if you think about 16 years mm-hmm. and you think about like 365 days and you think mm-hmm. about like um, how much orgasm, like I didn't, I don't just have orgasm like once a week, you know, for me, I actually wake up and I drop in with my Jenna, with my vulva. I know my clitoris very well. I, you know, I, produce it in my body, but I also have other people, you know, who stroke my clitoris. And so I did extensive training in so many years. Um, I, this is a part of my life. It's a daily part of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, three or four times a day. If you even Mm -hmm. just take like 365 days for um, 16 years, an hour a day. And this is in the community that you live in? Well, in my community, not just in my community. I mean, that was probably even more. 
Um, but wow. since even after leaving the community, like this is just part of who I am. It's part of my life. So mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. an orgasm at some capacity every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, deep breath over here. <laughs> That's amazing with you. Wow. No wonder you're so alive when I see you. There's just like so much juice just energetically flowing from you. That totally explains it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you I'm for that guess, story. You know, it's I'm so- fun. It's fun. Let's just, like, get down to the bottom part of it. Like, people are like, why do you do this? I'm like, well, because it's fun. Like, the very basic part is that pleasure. It's, like, part of who we are, you know. It is, it's why we're here, to have pleasure and fun. So, mm-hmm. and the other, the you know, the extra things. So, thank you. Yeah, well, there's so much I want to dig more deeply into. I'm trying to figure out where to start, and I want to weave this into relationships. So, um, mm-hmm. you were in relationships. I'm sure you've been in relationships over these years. And so, mm-hmm. how does how does this expression of sexuality that you kind of live in and swim in every day? How does that mesh with your relationships? And um, you know, do you practice non-monogamy throughout all of that? Mm, that's a great question. So. Um, uh, when I first met my, who is still my husband, um, he, we are going through some, you know, transitioning out of being married. We don't live together anymore, but we have been together half my life for 23 years. And um, I don't think our relationship was ever traditional to begin with. And I think we were young and trying to figure out what that meant. And prior to meeting each other, we did not practice monogamy. I, I was non-monogamous. And um, and he was also pretty much non-monogamous as well. And he was pretty clear with, I'm not monogamous. And I was pretty clear with, like, well, you're the one, and so I'd like to have a traditional marriage. Well, I went mm-hmm. into this, at, you know. And so through the years, it shifted. And I think what really shifted was when I started to actually, we had the full gamut of, like, having to go through, you know, um, not not true not telling the truth <laughs> about uh, other people and that wasn't really mm-hmm. fun that wasn't the most fun for mm-hmm. me um and and then uh, probably on both parts at different levels but when we actually started to understand when we started to actually train and like move into the intentional community that's actually when we actually were so free and open with our communication communication was actually the foundation of having this kind of lifestyle because we were definitely not traditional in our marriage and I was having sexual experiences, sensual experiences with other people and I still do but we were so um, we were talking about it and communicating about it and it made it more pleasurable it made it fun Like we could, we could actually experience the other person's fun and pleasure through communication like when we actually mm-hmm. talked about the experience um, it was it was amazing. It was so fun to understand that that person was getting so much pleasure out of having an experience with somebody else. So, um, we, you know, we had to deal with the the regular things of like, you know, I'm a pretty jealous person. So (laughs) by nature, like I'm who I am. So I, my thought of jealousy at the time was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this to me. But Mm -hmm. once I started to understand like that, 
the energy that comes with jealousy kind of mimics um, turn, being turned on and getting it turned on. So excited. I was right. like, oh, what? why can't I just take this energy and, like, use it for my fun and my pleasure instead and, like, communicate about it? So that was kind of, like, the beginning, the humble beginnings of, like, learning how to be um, – and I never said I was polyamorous. I never said I was open marriage. I didn't, I tried personally. Like, I think it's great that people term their relationships. Um, I just consider myself, um, I just want to communicate. And I think every every kind of relationship, I, I believe that friendship is the highest form of relationship. So under friendship, mm-hmm. like, you can have anything you want. And so my, my relationship with my husband went up and down. There was, and there was different things that, you know, um, that at one point we were teaching together at one point, you know, um, we were trying to navigate these other pieces of like, um, what it looks like to date other people. One point we were like looking at these pieces of what, what it looks like to not tell somebody that you're wanting to date somebody, but doing it anyway, (laughs) you know, it's like, and I'll yeah. tell you the most pleasurable. The most pleasurable really was when we were telling each other the truth, without anger and experiencing that. But in mm-hmm. that process, um, you know what led, what kind of has shifted is my own growth and what I wanted, and not, and actually not talking about what I wanted, um, and then but asking, saying things like, "Well, I really want to call in like something different," and I didn't know quite what it was, and. I was starting to feel it um, on different levels um, of awareness. Like I was teaching, I was coaching. I was like, I was going higher and expanding these things in my life that I really loved. And um, there was like this disconnect somewhere along the line. I did, I felt like I, I did call in what I wanted. And that was, I'm not, I think when we ask for something, we should be prepared to, to understand that it comes in different forms. I'm like, I've been really wanting to um, to have a, a, a different relationships that like took me on journeys and different levels of awareness around that um, that I could actually drop into in a different level and like really go higher in my spirituality, in my devotion to like pleasure. And I didn't want to compromise anymore for myself and it turned into like calling in, um, you know, somebody who is my lover still. And I really appreciate that person. I appreciate like the relationship that they had with their partner that was (laughs) non-monogamous, ethically Mm -hmm. non-monogamous, monogamous and open. And I'm trying Mm -hmm. to navigate communication around that. And then. Right. um, Let me me just pause you, pause you there for a minute, Lucia, because you said some really incredible things that I want to, just dig a little more deeply into it and also understand yeah understand a little bit more of what you're saying so i think i heard mm-hmm. you say that you um you know you started out as kind of a jealous person um but mm-hmm. you got really clear that you could transform that jealous energy into turn on and mm-hmm. you really la- landed in your friendship with your husband and realized that the friendship once you have the mm-hmm. friendship and you can learn to really speak your truth that mm-hmm. you can have whatever you want from that relationship. Is that right? Yeah, it's totally right. And 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 like um and like that level. And here's the the thing that goes with that. Like when you, in my case, I also had a lot of imprints around what a marriage was supposed to look like. And mm-hmm. we had had a laid a lot of 
um, ground here. And so we had a lot of things, what I call the shit piles, right? We had a lot of shit piles, mm-hmm. too, like pr- that preceded shifting. And on mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis, um, navigating the things like parenting and the bills mm-hmm. right, right. and who mm-hmm. does what roles. When you add in those, like, um, when you're up against the um, socially acceptable, what we call, you know, the, the roles of um, marriage, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're trying to navigate, you know, what it looks like to have other kinds of relationships in your life. We we mm-hmm. definitely struggled. There was a struggle, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. Right. Like, there was mm-hmm. a dance, but there's not one day that, like, I... You know, I listen, he was my best friend. I love him still. Like, he's an amazing human being. There's things that, like, I learned. I'm sure he has learned from me as well. But, like, now, like, I, I'm not even, like, fully through it. But I've used all these tools that, like, we built and learned and together and separately to actually start to look at the shift and change and really use those tools, like the concept of friendship to me more than anything, and all these things around pleasure that I I have trained, literally, when I say training, I'm like, really have trained my body, kind of like you would go and like, you know, take yoga, or take yeah. lessons, it's like, right. I, so, when, it's you were not, ta- when you were talking, when you were talking about, um, I think I heard you saying that you felt like something was not right, but you didn't know how to didn't know what you wanted and you just called in clarity or something until you got clear that you really wanted a partner, like an uncompromising spiritual match or something like that. Was that how, how you, am I understanding that correctly? Well, I think I, I wasn't sure if I was actually calling in a partner or if I was actually calling in my truth. Like it wasn't really like, I need somebody else to like make me whole. It, I was actually, mm-hmm. I think what I was present to was that I was changing and I was expanding as a being. And I was mm-hmm. feeling like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to really, I wanted to honor who I was as mm-hmm. a being. And that being mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. going to have to shed a couple of skins in order to actually have the experiences I wanted to have. Like, I wanted to, mm-hmm. like, I really, I wanted to dedicate my life in a bigger way to, like, living in pleasure and, and supporting other people to actually own this part of themselves and, like, really let go of shame and, like, not be, not be sides. But I, didn't, I was, like, I wasn't, like, trying to teach people, like, oh, there's the one person out there. I just don't really mm-hmm. believe that. Like, I was, like, I was kind of, like, moving through my own piece of, like, I don't think we're here to be with just one being. And in the mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. you know, my husband is the – I learned – we learned so much with each other. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we had to work through a lot of, like, karmic pieces. And I think it allowed for me to actually start to attract people that – um are on a are on that path of being what, for lack of better term words, like the people who are doing that, the alchemy around healing sexuality and trauma, and also having fun and pleasure. So mm-hmm. suddenly, like you and I met during this time, 
like we're all on this this space suddenly we started coming together like we all feel it like we know that there is this this bigger piece around people who are feeling the need to like um, transform what we know around the work and sexuality and sensuality and pleasure and and that um, that we're constantly doing this dance with so many people. And so yes. that started happening. And that's what I magnetized. I magnetized somebody who who was like to me that soul level of mirror. And mm-hmm. it took a while to like actually like I knew right away and I, I still know what it's about, but like we could find that in anybody, but this, you know, that person is somebody that I alchemize with where, mm-hmm. you know, we both agree that we come together and we can support people to like do, to move through, move through the energies. And I have that with other people too. You know, I, I have that and that's the interesting part. I, like, I used to think, well, it's only going to be with like certain people like who can feel but I think we have the capacity to do that with multiple people that we're in relationship with. And right. when we actually, when we tune into it, you know, you must know how it feels. Like when you are tuned into that level of awareness, mm-hmm. and see that like you, it's like a ripple effect of like love and, and um, mm-hmm. the energy that comes up is, is love. And so when you're, when you're vibrating at that level and, putting out energy in that level, it can't be anything but, like, um, incredibly healing for ourselves, but the planet, too, you know? Right, right. And then the problem I find is that um, some people I meet that I want to love because I'm in that field of love, they can't Mm -hmm. meet me there because they're afraid and they have their programming. They have their conditioning around what does this mean and so they can't really meet me there and just play in that love. And, um, it's, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, that when we met, there were, I forget what word you used, but there, there, were, there were things shifting in the field. And, you know, I'm going to be turning 59 in a couple of weeks, and it's just blowing my mind, like, how much growth is happening. You know, like, this is not your parents' <laughs> age 59. Like, I'm just starting to find my stride as far as, like, being – non-hierarchical in my relationship so I'm not taking right. care of somebody I'm not I'm not a slave to a label I'm mm. just you know I'm just really asking from like let's love each other and let's talk about it and I can love mm-hmm. as many people as I have time for now <laughs> you know that is so a whole other way of so being true. alive yeah <laughs> it's so true actually it's so funny because I actually had this conversation today because one of my partners is actually a mutual friend of ours, but um, I'm not going to say who it is, but we are actually sharing, we're talking about this hierarchy concept. And I was saying, well, so funny because even though I am open and non-monogamous and like all these pieces and you have this partner here that lives with you and you have this other partner, I said, I have to say and be honest and say quite honestly, I am a, I'm the queen and who I am. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm with you, I was like, I want this experience. I have to mm-hmm. be able to say that and say, I can have two levels of awareness of like, we're going to get together. These are the things I want to do with you. Because when, when I'm with that person, we alchemize 
and we do some we do some incredible pieces and we call in these portals and you know and you know they work on my body and I'm like you know I'm training they're getting training around around quite honestly what it means to be understand a really sensitive pussy who, that will take mm-hmm. them on this journey and they're like oh my mm-hmm. god <laughs> what is going on <laughs> I'm like well right. let me show you and so we're we're mm-hmm. doing this dance and this this piece of hierarchy came up and I said it's really interesting because like I don't feel beholden to anybody and at the same time I'm so programmed from the two that like um, that sadness of like not waking up next to like the person, like the one, is like oh I missed that like feeling of like oh I'm so used to like waking up and making coffee and you know having this beautiful dance and, and love that I missed that piece because I love relationships eh I love intimacy I I'm, I'm a cuddler I'm super loving and I'm I'm really touchy-feely, and at the same time, like, the other flip side is that I have the roles of, like, traditional roles. Like, I'm the mother, I was cleaning the house, and I'm running the business, and running my own business, and, like, doing all these things. It's like, I would people like, how do you do all, everything that you do? I'm, like, I'm exhausted, you know, well, but at the still, same time. We can still wake up with somebody and, and share that intimate morning of coffee and have, um, parts of our lives that intersect without hierarchy, like you could have a business partner, you could uh-huh. have, um, you know, buy a house with somebody, you could even pick yeah. a parent with somebody and do all those life things, maybe not all even with the same person and still exactly. value each relationship equally because nobody Absolutely. wants to be someone's like less important person in their life. <laughs> no, so and this is honoring of all human beings. Yeah. Exactly. And this is actually what's happened is that, um, you know, my my dear friend and who, somebody who's a lover, we've actually transitioned more. Like we're still lovers and we still like adore. I'm like I adore him and I feel him, and we also are on this level of uh, commitment to like the fa- divine feminine and the healing of the divine mm-hmm. feminine, and we started to actually work together, and it's a new avenue. But in the process of doing that, it's like I have so much more, like, honoring of this person because I see who they are. Like, I've always seen them. And I think they see – I know that they see me. I feel like mm-hmm. there's this this beauty that we share, um, and they're resonating with me all the time. I feel so grateful that I get to do that. And we've, ha- we've actually learned so much more about each other through being of service to, like – the divine, the divine feminine masculine, how we move our energy. And then also that part of bringing, like, yeah, I woke up this morning with this beautiful, beautiful being who just loved me up and made me coffee in bed and told me that and totally loved me up. And, like, I felt, and I was like, this is the role I want to have when I'm here. And he was like, I want to give that to you. And I'm like, Like, yeah. yeah, and that comes from asking for what we want, right? Like being really clear right. about it. And, and like we, as women, we've been programmed to 
um, you know, if you ask for it, somehow it, it doesn't matter as much and they should just know. Um, but when we really get clear and ask for what we want, then we can actually get it. And it's awesome. <laughs> right. Right. And there's many yeah. reasons why we don't ask because of like the fear of loss. Like we don't tell people mm-hmm. like, um, you know, we won't go into like out of fear that somebody will like deny us. Like we won't tell people about like what we want as women because we'd rather keep doing the same thing than actually face the possibility of like somebody not giving us that or saying no. No, I can't do that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Can't do that. And the feelings that that come from that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you just for one second, sweetie, and just say that if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. And we're speaking with um, uh, holistic sex (laughs) and sensuality mentor, Lucia Pavoni. Um, And it's been quite an interesting conversation so far. Both of us, it sounds like, have really come a long way in owning our bodies and our pleasure and the kind of relationships we want to have. And I know I've had to do a lot of deconstruction of social conditioning. Um, So Mm -hmm. I want to hear a little bit about what you've done and how you help other people to do that deprogramming so that they can start to get to that delicious place in their life. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is such a great question. I don't think people ask that one enough. Probably one of the first times in a podcast I've done so many um, about deprogramming. So for me, um, my journey actually, it was like multiple levels of awareness. So I have to actually understand like what I call stable data. What is it that I actually believe, I believe or that I've been taught? Like everything, especially around sexuality, it's like the little thing, the things like, oh, don't have sex with more than one person. Don't have sex with mm-hmm. more than one person on the same day. Don't fart. Mm-hmm. Don't pee while having sex. Don't ask for what you want, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, it's like don't come too soon. Don't come too soon. Sa- you know, all these things that we've been programmed. Then there's like the religious conditioning too. I grew up extremely Catholic. My parents are from Sicily. I, you couldn't grow up in a more strict Roman Catholic household. <laughs> mm, wow. <laughs> you know, where I went to church every Sunday. I was in church youth leadership camp. I was a great Catholic girl, you know. I mean, you know, good Catholic girls, what they do. They never have intercourse, but they will do other things. And so I was definitely like, I am, I was very sexual and I didn't know how to express it. So I did what I thought I had to do. Like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this anyway. As long as I don't have penis and vagina, then I was okay, right? Because I was still a virgin. And virginity is a fallacy. Who the hell came up with the concept? of virginity well mm-hmm. you know patriarchal religions let's just that's another topic for another time but all mm-hmm. of my programming around my body because I was like I was I'm short but I'm very voluptuous and um, I got my period at like 10 years old so suddenly uh, my parents were like you can't use tampons because you're going to not be a virgin and you can't do anything <laughs> I'm like what I was like a tomboy <laughs> I was like I was playing soccer I was on the intramural wrestling team. I was very active, and suddenly I had breasts, and I had a big butt, and, and I was like, people wanted to touch me. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> this is crazy. Like, I, 
I just didn't know how to navigate my body, and nobody nobody told me what to do. We had very like my my sexual education was so limited, and it was like wear a condom, don't be a good girl, don't get an STI, and if you do, you're a slut or a whore. And mm-hmm. fuck, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. Like my life is is one way. So it was like all of a sudden. I was this young, vibrant young girl, and I was like, close your legs until you get married. And I was like, oh, my God, like, my life sucks. Like, I, I couldn't date till I was 16. My parents didn't model a, a healthy relationship. You know, there was definitely pieces. They did not communicate. There was domestic violence. Um, my dad, like, had another house and totally had another partner, <laughs> you know, another household Mm -hmm. so my relationship to the masculine and I love my dad and I love my mom and I don't it's like I I mean they're they're amazing human beings and I just love them for who they are but I definitely had to like understand like my relationships my younger relationships were just so incredible like I I never I'm not going to say this on my I don't think I ever not cheated on a boyfriend. Like mm-hmm. I, my first love in college, like I went, I was living in Spain and I was like, oh my God, I'm living in Spain. And am I going to be like faithful? I had a lover like in Spain, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I had to come back and tell him. And, it, um, and then I, I just was never, I was never monogamous. And I didn't really realize that, like, one person, monogamy, actually, the definition of monogamy, Shumati, you probably know this. At one point, it meant one person for all your life, but the definition actually changed to, like, mean one person at a time. Like, you know, you hear serial, right. serial That's monogamy, That's what right? Esther Perel says, yeah. Right, right. And so, um, yeah, she just wrote, she wrote about this recently. So, you know, we've been conditioned somehow that this idea, this marriage is a new construct. Relationships like this are are very new. At some point, we had different types of relationship. At some point, um, how people had relationships, um, you know, children were, you know, when their like May Day came about because it was the day that everybody went out and, you know, basically had wild sex and like it was it was said to be that if you got pregnant during on you know may day um that 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 child was special nobody questioned who the father was so but if you were still in a, in a partnership with somebody that that person raised that child and so mm-hmm. um it's like we've been we've been conditioned around like um you know ownership and this is huge i have this has been a big theme this year is um, taking away this idea that I owned anybody, that I owned my husband, that I own my lovers, that like they own me. There is this like fallacy that somehow by virtue of um, exchanging sexual energy, specifically, this is where it shows up the most is like the norm is like penis and vagina, right? So our culture says penis and vagina is the best sex act. When you have that, it is like, the best, but there's so many people out there that don't have that kind of practice and they still are basing their relationships on this heteronormative idea that penis and vagina is like the most sacred thing. And, and mm-hmm. that you know, when you do that, you own each other, you know? 
right, and that right. we're all trying to attain this thing. The thing is, when you strip away the concepts of ownership, that what's mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. is like bliss and communication. It takes a lot of communication to let go of ownership. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of like mm-hmm. uh, letting go of your ego, you know, that somehow somebody did something to you. Um, you know, I remember being a victim all the time. Like, oh, I can't believe that they did that to me. Mm-hmm. You know, wait, wait, they didn't do anything to you. And this is the part where I still struggle sometimes, but um, especially women struggle. They're like, I can't believe that man did this to me. And then they start yeah. to like become the victim about like, I can't believe he did this to me. And I did that a lot in my marriage. I was like, I can't believe you, she did that, you know, to me. Yeah. And no, that, you know, she would talk. Especially the ownership piece is really important. Um, but what I want to dig into a little bit more with the time we have left is, um, sure. you know, for me, it's been, it's taken me a lifetime <laughs> to be able to manage the emotions that come up around that. Emotions mm-hmm. from not having that so-called security or the commitment or all the things that I thought validated me, made me feel safe in the world and okay. So all the feelings mm-hmm. that come up about that trigger core wounds from childhood. Very few of us had perfect parenting, so most of us mm-hmm. have some kind of core wound around abandonment, rejection, being unwanted. So do you work with women, uh, particularly around their trauma? Um, and how how do we navigate those core wounds and that trauma mm. while we're trying to have a full because some for some reason sex and pleasure just connect right into that infantile feeling of being wanted and desired. So how do you dance with all of that? Mm. So beautiful to like think about. Well, because uh, let me just say I am kind of in this, and at the same time, the thing that's getting me like has like, I'm ending a 23-year relationship. So, of course, all those things that you're talking about, they are definitely coming up in my own mm-hmm. life. And so all, the difference is that because I'm so sensitive and I've done this, I have lived my life from this place of, like, navigating my orgasm, my pleasure, that I can, without a shadow of a doubt, can say the healing piece around all those what we consider the shadow or the core wounds, that is taking place on a deeper level because I have, I am tapped into my pleasure and I am mm-hmm. using sexual alchemy. I am using those pieces. This is very taboo and this is very, we don't really talk about this in our culture. Most mm-hmm. people will go to therapy. Most people will get acupuncture to calm down, but nobody actually says, hey, you store a lot of, um, a lot of the things that you are going through are actually can be shifted through somatic work and not just like mm-hmm. somatic, you know, um, not just through sound or, you know, um, but really through, um, through touch. And mm-hmm. so a lot of, especially for people with vulvas and clitorises, we hold a lot, and like all, all people, it doesn't matter how you identify, we hold a lot in our genitals around these wounds. Mm-hmm. So like there's these deep mm-hmm. traumas, whether it doesn't just have to be a sexual trauma, but it can be like our worth as a, you know, our, our, our worth as a human being. And we will mm-hmm. literally shut down this place that, so one thing that happened to, uh, that, that shifted who I was, was once I actually started to understand my pleasure and, and have full body orgasm, 
like all the things around doubt and guilt and shame started to shift for me. It literally mm-hmm. shifted how my body responded to, to things. People are like, how do you feel so You talk about your life, your body from this great place. I'm like, well, I didn't always love my body. I didn't always mm-hmm. like just love feeling it. I actually despised it. I didn't feel anything in my genitals. I didn't want to connect with people. But once I started to kind of like energetically move, like I things would magnetize to me. So um, this piece around like healing work, this piece around um, you know healing, we could stay in therapy forever. We can do hypnosis. You can do EMDR. All these things that people do, yoga to like get balanced. I feel like the fastest way. I always say the clitoris, like specifically for people who identify as women with vulvas and clitorises. I'm like the clitoris because 8,000 nerve endings. When you can tap mm-hmm. into your nervous system on that level, you can really shift the, the, the programming, the muscle memory. Now, people have trauma because the brain gets like, people say well, what, what a trigger is really is you remember something, your body goes, oh, that is going to have me freeze or that's going to have me get angry or that's going to have me, your muscles remember a situation mm-hmm. that's been imprinted in your, in your brain and then it comes up sometimes when you least expect it. So if you've had mm-hmm. sexual trauma and you haven't, you don't know anything about it, then all of a sudden, like, you're in the middle of having this incredible, with seemingly incredible experience with a partner, and all of a sudden you, like, freeze. You're like, what the hell just happened? And your body remembers something, and it, it's, it's your, your body is actually, um, the, your vessel is, like, programmed to protect you. So if your body thinks that, there's danger, it goes to protect you. So the quickest way out of it is actually, you know, some of the work, like the work that we were doing around um, sacred doubt, yoni healing, massage, you know, like internal work. Like, um, And I didn't even call it work. I think it's like really the energetic connection of, you know, bringing this energy through your body and like looping it through that person's body and like coming back through your body so that you're working on this level of awareness that is, you know, touch oriented, somatic oriented, but also it's so energetic that energy is all around us. You know, so you mm-hmm. have this opportunity to infuse the other person with an immense amount of approval, love, and reprogram it's programming, retrain their brain. And mm-hmm. part of training is really important because we often don't associate sexuality with training our bodies. Because we're, we're told that we're supposed to, we, we have the genitalia, that somehow we're supposed to just know how to use it for sex, right. for intercourse, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But nobody's ever actually trained in their body. Like, we, we don't really know how to use it. <laughs> like, if people mm-hmm. were actually trained in the art of sensual pleasure, then our planet would be a lot different. <laughs> mm. well, what, what's an people, example of what that training would look like? Mm. Um, Well, I think when I say training, there's multiple levels of awareness around, like, what I do around, let's say, extended orgasm um, versus when I do, um, you know, somatic work and, you know, healing touch. And one one level of awareness is that when I'm with personally training people or women who want to kind of get away from this old model of how they view relationships, how they view their sexuality, how they view, like, who they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be, their worth, 
um, and even things around money, business, and mothering, on that level, it looks at acknowledging where you're at, finding it right, calling that good, letting go of this viewpoint that somehow we're perfectly imperfect or that we have to fix ourselves somehow. This mm-hmm. is the biggest mm-hmm. one. You know, when I work with, with people, the, the, the one thing that I always start with is that you are perfect exactly the way you are, and that includes progress and change throughout your whole life. But this concept that, our, that we're imperfect or we're perfectly imperfect right there, that has our brain thinking that we're constantly having to get good. And so mm-hmm. if we just start at the good place, whatever we're, you know, whatever that is, without making a judgment of it, that's where I start. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I actually, you know, I, I, um, I give people sensuality exercises once we've gone through communication tools, how to have fun. Nobody's actually taught that they were told that they can have fun. Like mm-hmm. sex is actually, sex, your sexuality, sex and pleasure, it's fun. We think mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody actually says t- <laughs> that it's fun. I have so much fun in my sex life. I love sex. Mm-hmm. I love pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I love my sensuality. And that sex and sensuality are two different things. So I mm-hmm. find pleasure in everything I do, not just not just the in and outs of P&B, not just, you know, oral sex, not just, like, the connection with the partner. And um, I don't look at those as necessarily the most pleasurable sex act. I look at, um, you know, being in present time, feeling my body, and I love it all. And that's the difference. It's like I start to, like, I train women to actually look at their life as the most pleasurable, you know, uh, most pleasurable act that they can have just by being. Like, you can have this every day. You can be in orgasm all the time. You don't have to necessarily be having intercourse to be in full body orgasm. Because orgasm, by definition, with Masters and Johnson defined it as like a certain number of contractions in the genitals, either in the penis or the clitoris, in a certain number of seconds. Now, if you've ever, mm-hmm. you know, seen a clitoris, clitoris can actually keep contracting and contracting and contracting. You can actually keep contracting for all the like a long time. And that is moving energy in your body. So you can actually walk out there. Some days I'm just like in bliss an orgasm and I just take a walk and like I just view the world from a lens of orgasm and it's completely different. Beautiful. And, and like, so weave this, weave this back into how does this reprogram your brain around trauma? Well, so once you start to like think of something like when something surfaces, so in order to actually reprogram your brain around trauma, you actually have to feel it. Most people mm-hmm. have numbed out, you know, people have mm-hmm. shut down their their sexuality and there's so much mm-hmm. that's stored within that energy that when people start to kind of awaken, it's almost inevitable that those pieces of like muscle memory come up. So one of the mm-hmm. fastest ways to actually move through it, some people go through therapy, but when you're working on, let's say, for the sexological body worker or working with touch or like even hug therapy, like you can transform what we our brain looks at as bad, and like if if it's bad, and like for example, um, I've worked with women who like have pain in their vulva because they've had some kind of trauma around their sexuality. Now, mm-hmm. what one person calls pain can actually be really pleasurable, but you have to be able to feel it first. So once you actually start to awaken, 
take away the view, you know, start looking at the viewpoints and then actually start to like, drop in with your, especially women, look at your genitals, touch your clitoris. It's going to surface a lot. And with through that, then you can actually re, um, reprogram that sensation as pleasurable. There's, I mean, going through the technique is probably not what we're going to do on this in this show. But <laughs> yeah, no, we're almost out of time, and I have one more juicy question to ask you. So sure. complete that yeah. thought. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, but ultimately, it is possible, and I say this from a place of a, you know, somebody who has gone through sexual trauma and really healing myself from thinking that somehow I'm flawed or wrong or bad and still being able to find pleasure in my sex life. Um, Mm -hmm. But also from like this idea of body image. Like this Mm -hmm. is a big one. A lot of women have shame around their vulvas or people who identify Mm -hmm. as women with vulvas, right? They find a lot of shame and like learning how to like, you know, literally feel the sensation and tell our brains that, you know, um, we love our bodies mm-hmm. can happen. It can happen very rapidly too. And then, you know, and I also work with one of my, with one of my, um, my lovers, my partners. And like, we, we work on an energetic level, like an intuitive, you know, an intuitive energetic and a trained level. So we mm-hmm. combine both of who we are mm-hmm. in our, in our connection to support people to like move through um, some of the some of the like darkest parts of shame, guilt, not good enough, can't attract the partner, sexual, you know, um, and that's really done on deep listening, holding energetic space, touch, you know, making it okay to be loved by like the divine mother and father, the divine masculine mm-hmm. and feminine. And that you can't always get in therapy. Sometimes you gotta go right, to a absolutely. level of emotion. Right. <laughs> you know? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one yeah. more really juicy question to ask you, but I don't want to run out of time for okay. you to be able to tell our listeners how to reach you. So let's cu- cover that sure. first. So t- tell our listeners how they can reach you, and if you have anything you'd like to offer them or direct them to. Of course. So on Facebook, you can type in Luscious Lucia Pavone or Lucia Pavone. And uh, also on um, Instagram, uh, Luscious Lucia Pavone. Um, you can go to www.lusciouslovelife.us. Um, I, I always, I'll give you a link, but I offer a complimentary Make Pleasure a Priority um, uh, discovery session. Or it depends, like, you know, who you are. Some people are like, I'll have what she's having. So <laughs> I jokingly mm-hmm. made up, I'll have what she's having, <laughs> discovery sessions. So oh, nice. People who, who want to, like, actually, um, you know, have a, basically a consultation, a one-on-one session with me. Um, and, and take note of, like, what that means, you know. Like, we spend about an hour together. There's, like, an intake. And it's totally complimentary. And see what path, you know, you want to go on if it's, if we're mm-hmm. meant to like, if I'm meant to support you, I can. I teach private courses. I lead retreats, international and um, also uh, local. I live in the Bay Area in Berkeley, but I also mm-hmm. last year led um, Surrender in Sensual Sicily retreat, where I worked with women around um, unraveling the uh, seven, seven, seven fluid feminine archetypes and embodying orga- our orgasm. Um, 
using our our orgasms to embody all those pieces of uh, the feminine within. And um, yeah, you can. I'm easily accessible, and there's you know I also teach on um, a website called O dot School, and you can see some of my videos um, from you know teaching on that website. It's a, ple- it's, a it's one of the first completely pleasure based sexual education websites that actually addresses issues um, that are not necessarily uh, just about the uh, man woman dynamic. So. Um, you can find okay, a lot I'll of my videos all of those there. In the show notes. I'll, I'll make yeah, sure I put all of those things in the show notes for people. Sure, and I'll send you the link for the um, the complimentary session too. So. Perfect. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And then with the last two minutes that we have, um, mm-hmm. have you broken any of your own sexual limitations or rules lately? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, yes. Um, yes, I'll tell you a couple. So one of my sexual limitations was, um, like, you know, when when I was, in, you know, it was always a rule. Like, I shouldn't have sex with somebody out of marriage. But I always, I broke that a lot. But then when I really broke it um, and, like, was like, oh, you know, that was a big limitation when I actually owned it and told the truth about how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. It opened up a whole new world. And it also, like, you know, when you go through it, that expansion, I had to look at the parts of me. Um, it was so, it was actually liberating, gratifying. Um, and I had to let go of people in my life that didn't, didn't agree with that. I, I definitely had to, under, I had to come to terms with like friendships ending. And I was okay with that because I was true to myself. I guess the other limitation was probably today, in the past 24 hours, um, <laughs> definitely, definitely around um, uh, this piece around um, do I combine do I combine healing with actual sexual alchemy for myself, and it's. It, it, I did. I broke that a long time ago, but this morning re- reminded me how wonderful that is. <laughs> like how wonderful mm-hmm. it is to break that rule. That somehow, like, um, there's very few times I would recommend it professionally, but for me, in my journey, like, I, I feel like I'm a little bit fringe in how mm-hmm. I do my own personal healing. And so, mm-hmm. in when I get, um, you know, sexological body work done on me. And it happens to be with somebody who is a lover. I get to have this experience that it rapid fires. Like it's like a hundred times more successful in my body around doing the the deeper healing work, and it takes me to to different levels. So that was a big rule because I'm like, oh, where do I go in my own professional career, my own mm-hmm. profession? Like, do you? It's you know, do you combine? you know, working and sexuality with people. I think a lot of people have that one. And mm-hmm. for the most part, no, I don't, like, you know, combine like relationships with, with the work I do. Um, but I think that people who have the same, you know, desires to heal the planet and we're doing this similar work, it's not, it's not off the table. It's just not accepted everything. <laughs> <laughs> So. Well, Lucia, we're almost out of time, um, so I just want to thank you so much for being on the show and for your transparency and honesty and all your wisdom, and I just wish you so much blessings and love and 
and luck and success with your work in the world and looking forward to our mm-hmm. paths crossing more. Yeah, I can't wait so much. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you're actually doing this so that you, we can normalize, um, you know, something that was quite normal at one point. I'm so grateful that you're doing this, you know, divine journey of your own because that's what it takes, really. we got to do it ourselves in order to, like, share it. Okay, sweetie. We'll talk to you soon. Good night. Thank you. Good night.